0: Welcome
1: back to Off The Bar Podcast, along Daniel Perez, Connor O'Brien, Michael Figueroa, and Christopher Will. That's a mouthful. My name is Rafael De Los Santos, and this is the 20th episode of Off The Bar Podcast, Premier League Team of the Season Edition, a special edition, the first of a series, um, I would say, because we're pretty pretty much going to do one for every league. Maybe. I'm not for sure we're going to do a league one. I don't know if we're going to go as far as league on non-league soccer, but we'll see. We'll see how the members feel about it and we'll make a decision. But today's episode is Premier League. Obviously one of the best leagues in the world. I'm not going to say best because you already know why I'm not going to say best, but definitely in the top two. That's not arguable. Um but yeah it's a Premier League team of the season edition. Today we've basically as a group um I want to say we have like seven or eight members and off the bar and we've come up with a collective team of the season. We've had our vote and we're going to compare that basically going around um seeing what each member thinks of the player that's ended up in our collective team of the season if they agree or disagree why they agree or disagree and as a bonus we're also going to be having four more awards we're going to have a manager of the year um, which has been again a vote we'll also have a team award um the team award will be basically the team that deserves recognition for their effort um for how they've done throughout the season not just like Man City, for example, because they won the league, but maybe Arsenal for the comeback they did, maybe Spurs for some reason. Connor put Leeds in there. I don't know why. I'm just kidding. But we're also going to have a youth player of the year or a young player of the year. Um, Just like in the Premier League this year, the award was won by Phil Foden. So we'll see how our results line up with that. And obviously, we're going to have a player of the year award um, this year again that was given to Kevin De Bruyne. Some people did not agree with that, and we will get to that. But let's get started right away. Off the bar team of the season, starting with the goalie. By an overall gigantic majority, probably the most given, or the third most given, except for the attackers, which we will get to, Allison, with 62.5% of the vote, was the team of the season goalie. Chris Will. You picked Allison as the team of the season goalie. Gave me your reasons why.
2: Yeah, so I think it's it's a simple explanation. Um, Him and Ederson led the league in clean sheets, but I don't think clean sheets really tells the entire story because a lot of that is the defense that you have in front of you. Um, I think Ederson playing kind of like that sweeper keeper style played more towards that style that Man City plays. But I think Ederson as a whole, in terms of the things you look for in a goalie, confidence, leading that defense, some outstanding saves, I think he he is definitely the one that stood out to me. Um, Sa also stood out to me just from the standpoint of how he did for his team in comparison to the defense he had in front of him. But I think Alisson is definitely the best keeper in Premier League, and I really don't think it's that close.
1: Michael Figueroa you had Allison as well do you concur with Christopher Will and his reasoning as to why Allison is the best goalie this season
3: I agree um for a majority of the season Allison was not only probably the best goalkeeper in the league but he was also arguably the best goalkeeper in the world until later on the year but he was a vital part of that Liverpool defense usually a goalkeeper you can have a team that has a very solid defense. And you can have a pretty mediocre goalkeeper and then you can still do pretty well. But Allison didn't take away from Liverpool's defensive like, prowess. He actually helped it out a little bit. And it was very reminiscent when you watch all these big games all these saves that Allison could do. He's a fantastic keeper. He's going to be great for the Brazilian national team as well. as I, hopefully continue to be great for Liverpool. So I was honestly surprised. I do think you know there are a bunch of other goalkeepers that had really standout performances this season. But personally, seeing Allison, I can't say, like, he's personally one of the best keepers in the world right now.
1: Just to cut in real quick two things. Um, Ederson statistically is probably the only one that lines up to Allison. They were tied for clean sheets. Do you think, you mentioned the Brazilian team, do you think that um, Allison gets the start over Ederson in Qatar?
3: Yeah, I feel like it's an over in that moment. And I feel like mm-hmm. Ederson doesn't have as much confidence, and he's never been the best goalkeeper in the league or in the national team either because of that. Allison seems to have such a presence when it comes to not only coming out the goalpost, but even with on the ball. While Ederson does have really good ball possession, and the reason why Pep relies on Ederson a lot is so he can move the ball. I feel like Allison is the more important keeper. In those big moments, Allison will pop up. While Ederson, as we saw against Real, was really struggling towards the end when they were getting chances. I don't think he's ever. I, I've I've met a lot of Man U fans, Man City fans. My bad, and they've never really seen Allison as, um, Ederson as a very high praise player for them, which is surprising to me because I think Man City is a team that has is pretty stacked in every position, and for goalkeeper, it always seems like he's okay. Like it reminds me very much of Victor Valdez for Barcelona. Like he was never the best goalkeeper in the national team. He's always good with the club and he's pretty decent in the club. But if you put him compared to like his rival and his compatriot in the same league or in the same club, um national team, he's not gonna be as solid.
1: Yeah, and, and like a record scratch, you said Allison was the best goalie at some point in the world.
3: Yeah, I I think at the after watching the whole season
1: when out, I
3: think say- is a better goalkeeper. But
1: I think throughout the season Courtois was a better goalkeeper but we're not gonna
2: know and honestly throughout the entire season I never I don't think Alisson was ever the number one because I think even if you start go like the past 365 days whatever there was a stretch where Donnarumma was the best coming out of the Euros there was a stretch where Mendy was the best coming out of you know Champions League from the year before so exactly so i don't think there was ever a point where allison was number one but i think he's consistently been at least number two in the world and i think he's maintained that consistency there's just been different one, number ones at different points in the year
4: i think you could argue allison was probably the best after Liverpool won the champions league a couple of years ago i think that'd be the only time though like it's not super recent
3: i disagree i don't know i've seen allison is always a very solid keeper and he doesn't really make bad mistakes as a goalkeeper and I think that's the most important thing Liverpool need. Obviously, he has a very good defense in front of him with Matip and Van Dijk which we get later on to later on, but he he's very solid as a keeper. I can I also understand what you guys are saying by, you know, Mendy being a great goalkeeper in the season. If Mendy would have kept his consistency with um Chelsea throughout the season, I would have argued that Mendy would have been the best goalkeeper in the league, but he kind of fell off a little bit, but Chelsea had their own struggles on and off the pitch. So I think that's what contributed to it. But in general, I think Allison has been consistently a good keeper. And that's the reason I rank them very highly is that he doesn't really, he's never been bad. He's always been really solid for his team, and he always helps them defensively. So in my opinion, Matt, like, um, Allison was the best goalkeeper at one point in the world, but I don't think he is right now. I think Coltois is taking taken that rightfully so at the Champions League finals.
1: Well, I mean, out of eight votes, Allison got five, 62.5% of the votes. Um, so I'm guessing most of the people on the podcast agree with you I do know two people here that disagree with you one being myself the other one being Conor O'Brien and we just happen to agree on who we disagree <laughs> with you with but Conor O'Brien take it away who do we you speak you speak for both of us who I'll- do
4: we I mean, you can say a lot about Allison's season. He did lead the league in save percentage too. something that wasn't brought up. But what you can't really say about Allison is that his defense didn't save him a lot. I mean, we're going to be looking at, like, other defenders in here in a bit. But, like, like those picks are going to be – they're going to be Liverpool picks in the defense. Um, If you look at someone who, like, statistically did it on his own, was responsible for saves, all that, Jose Saw was vital to Wolves. Wolves had one of the best defenses in Prem this year. If you look at Jose Stahl, especially his stats, like those stats tell such a story about how good he was um, in goal. Uh, Jose Saw led the Prem in goals prevented with eight and a half expected. Uh, so that's expected goals allowed in versus actual goals allowed in. This comes from, I believe this is from goal, the statistic I'm saying. Um, he was expected to let in 47 and a half, led in 39. So that's eight and a half, right? Number two on their list is David DeHaea, David DeHaea, De sorry, um, with 2.8. He saved 5.7 more goals than second place. That's like, that's a lot. That's like two or three games worth of goals. Um, in terms of save percentage, Stahl was second in the league and save percentage at 75. Remember to Alex at 76. Like, basically, I, in my opinion, like, best player on Wolves, one of the best defensive teams, goalkeeping wise carried them. I just think statistically, Jose Stahl probably has a better case then allison i think allison probably gets it because of like liverpool and their defense
1: yeah i think there's an argument to be had um when it comes to the goalkeeper position in terms of how good is the goalie or how much goalie contribute to the team as compared to how much the defense does kind of like the goalies work for him um i agree with connor my pick was jose saw coming out of wolves um obviously wolves ended up being 10th in the league while Liverpool got second. But again, it's a Wolves team that lost like Nuno Speedy to Santo to Spurs over the summer. They lost Diogo Jota, who who turned out to be one of the leading scorers in the Prem over the summer as well. They lost Adama. Um, They they ended up being 10th in the league, only five points away from Europe, um, only five points away from West Ham. And Jose Sal was a huge part of that. The first, it was his first year in the Prem um, after coming over from Greece, bro. Like, as compared to Allison, who's what been playing in the Prem since 2019, I believe. They got him right after Carius had the debacle in 2018 Champions League final. Um, he was also tied six in clean sheets with 11 behind only like the usual suspects, the top six goalies, Allison, Ederson, Lloris, Mendy, Ramsdale, guys that we expect to be better. Why? Because they have better teams, better defenses. Not only that, better midfields and all that, better attacks. So they're not receiving as many shots. And it all comes back again to the argument of, like, is it the goalie? Is it the defense? Like, do they make each other? How much does the goalie play more part in how the defense does? Does the defense play more part in how the goalie does? Who knows? Um, but Jose Sa also had seventh, like Connor said, I think he mentioned it already, seventh in saves per 90. No other player mentioned in the top 15 other than low in That's that. He was the goals prevented leader, like Con- uh, like Connor said. And again, like Connor mentioned, that's expected goals on target as compared to how many he actually saves out of those. So basically, how many goals were supposed to go in because of how good the shot is and how many of those he actually saved? He was the leader. And like Connor said, De Gea was second place and it was by far Jose Saw and that's that. So just because of that and because of the team that he plays on and how less reliable his defense is. I went with Jose Sa, um, but Addison, to me, is definitely, like, what I would say is the best goalie in the league. Again, to me, that's always going to be mingled with the defense. Like, there's no such thing as, like... I don't know. It depends on the goalie, I would say, because, like, is Courtois a really good goalie because his defense wasn't that great this season? Like... But... It depends on the goalie. depends on the team. I think what Jose Saar brings to Wolves is not what Allison brings to Liverpool. Bigger teams need goalies that don't make mistakes. Smaller teams need goalies that save goals. Like, that's supposed to be a goal. He saves it. Again, Liverpool... Allison does that for Liverpool, but it's not as much as Saw. so I had to go for Sa.
0: Do you think he can keep that up in Qatar?
4: He's... Is he starting for Portugal? I don't think he's starting for Portugal. Patricio still starts for Portugal.
1: If Jose Soler to be given the chance, I don't see why he wouldn't keep it up. But right, I know that um, Patricio is like the staple goalie of Portugal since like Euro 2016 or something. So I don't know. I think the the goalie for Porto is the guy that sometimes gets in there um it's like a a helder cost or something like that but i don't know it would be nice to see jose i think if does he deserve to get called up i hope so i hope he's on that portugal team i'm not sure if he's in it um could he keep it up in qatar if they put him in there who knows he should be able to if if the Prem is the most competitive league in the world as is advertised to be if he can do it in the Prem, he could do it in qatar portugal don't have the hardest group ever either so they could definitely give him a try Yeah,
2: I I think they could give him a try, but we also a couple of weeks ago, we saw uh, Patricio put up like a very solid game in a European Cup final. Um, So I think it's still his spot to lose. Um, That doesn't mean Sa doesn't appear in a game at some point. You know, if they're up by enough points in their group, put him in, let him get some experience. But yeah, I I don't think we'll see him. I think Patricio is probably still going to run away with this one.
1: Yeah, I would expect that as well. But just to wrap things up in the goalie position, obviously Allison had the majority vote, sixty-two point five percent. Connor and I had Jose saw. There was one person that had Ederson, but yeah, I mean even even the EA Sports team of the season had Allison in it, so it's pretty much a given that the team with the highest clean sheets is going to be a this guy or that guy. This year was Ederson or Allison, and Allison kind of got the nod because he's the better goalie moving on to the defense, um, where we'll have less agreement, we had a couple nominees that got a decent amount of votes. So the team of the season back line from left to right, you have Joao Cancelo, Antonio Rudiger, Virgil van Dijk, and Trent Alexander-Arnold. So basically, <laughs> Liverpool's defense with Joao Cancelo and Antonio Rudiger. Starting from the left side, obviously... I bet we could sit here with praise for Joao Cancelo. So, really quick, can someone give me a reason why Joao Cancelo is not only team of the season, but the man was in the team of the year as well? I know he wasn't in the FIFA World 11 because obviously, like, this, this after the World 11 it was when he started playing, but I'm sure we'll see him there come November or December. But, really quickly, can someone give me a Joao Cancelo rundown?
0: I'd say versatility and efficiency both put him in that team.
1: I mean, he played left back the entire season on his right foot. When the heck have you ever seen that?
0: That's unheard of.
2: In the end, top five in interceptions – I mean, top 10 in interceptions with 59, leads the league in passing, and he's seventh in tackles with 83. I don't think there's a more versatile defensive player
1: than Cancelo. Yeah, on a team that's tied for goals allowed, tied for clean sheets, I mean – efficiency not not only efficiency but the results to show it but moving on to another player that made the back line for our team this season and i'll let connor take this one away even though i can speak on it now since he came to my team antonio rudiger
4: i mean he, he will very much be missed he was one of my favorite Chelsea players uh i've been mourning i probably wasn't his choice to go it was kind of situation but I digress, Uh, if you watched Rudiger play at all this year, absolute force defensively. I genuinely think he was the best center back in Prem this year. Uh, He locked down so many guys, like, especially on that right wing too, given our our limitations with um, defensively, like having Marcus Alonso there, having like Pulisic or Hudson and playing there out of position, like that. And then he's like, he's going in, he's pocketing Salah, he's pocketing whoever's on that right wing that needs to be pocketed. He's been electric. Pushing the ball up, too, he's been great. He's got a lot of goals for us so far. He's just He was so vital to Chelsea's defense, and he played so well throughout the season, both defensively and for a center back offensively. I think he needs to be in the list. I agree. That long shot that he scored was
1: – you want to talk about, like, ways you could change the game? I don't know. We already spoke about maybe, like, can we see a trend in Joao Cancelo um, having, like, fullbacks that are inverted now in terms of, like, what footedness they are – Um, like we've seen with wingers. Like sometimes you'll have wingers who play on their strong foot, like a right winger, that's right foot as we cross the ball in. Um, Sometimes they play on their weak foot, like Gareth Bell, so they can cut in and shoot. Um, Could we see that with fullbacks? Um, You want to talk about revolutionizing a position. Could we see center backs that play so far up the field because the team is pressing that high up that they're blasting shots at the goalie? And I mean, powerful shots. And we've seen that a lot. Something that I've picked up and I'll, I'll see how you guys feel about it, is um, center backs that are really good on the ball. We saw it a lot with uh, Edder Militao. I don't know how many Real Madrid games you guys watch. I know Michael definitely watches a lot. And Eder Militao can't... sometimes drops his shoulder, and once you take one player off of that press, you have a center back pushing into the midfield, and you gain numbers in the midfield. And sometimes he'll dribble past the midfielder as well, and now you have numbers in the attack. Can we see center backs that are so gifted moving forward? And you saw that with Kana... I think Kana's in the final made a run like that, where he made a run into, like, the right-back position and went all the way upfield, and you saw... And you can see how much danger that causes. Can we see center backs like we saw with Antonio Rudiger when he scored, scored that really good long shot? Can we see center backs that push so far up the field that they're an offensive threat, almost like a secondary midfielder? Sometimes a secondary striker, dude.
3: Someone I can actually think of that literally played in Chelsea was David Luiz. David Luiz will always constantly push forward. So much so that I argue that David Luiz should have played more as a defensive mid as a player than he should have been as a center back. He's a little bit inconsistent as a center back. But I don't think I've seen a player this consistent defensively as well as offensively. I think the only person I can think of that would be maybe um, Maldini. But I'm not exactly sure if he played. I think he played fullback more than he did center back. But a lot of times with Milan, I've seen him, he will push forward and win the ball up there. And that could be a real threat to defense. Like imagine getting pressured by a team. And the person who's pressuring you is like someone with the speed of Rudiger, but with the prowess of Van Dijk. That's, that's terrifying.
2: I think a lot of it is going to come down to honestly, like how they're just brought up whatever system that is. I think, I mean, it's a little interesting to see Rudiger as a German doing it, but I think the first three people that come to mind in terms of center backs that are, are skillful on the ball, we named Militao, we named David Luiz, and then you could even put Marquinhos in there, um, but they're all Brazilian. I think I think nationally, like certain positions are just built a certain way. Like I don't think you're gonna get someone from the Netherlands, for example that's going to play like that. Like Van Dijk isn't going to play like that. De Ligt is not going to play like that. But I think it's just kind of culturally how you're brought up. I think certain like regions of the world are just like more skillful on the ball and other regions are like the center back is your brute, your biggest guy who's going to knock anyone over and play very differently than like other places in the world. So I think you see that with Brazilians versus Europeans. But it is interesting that like Rudiger is like a different type of player being
1: a German. Yeah, I get what you're saying. Styles of play in countries uh, tend to be tend to be different, not just in a stereotypical way, where like, oh, Brazilians are five star skillers, but mm. you have Spanish players who tend to breed a lot of midfielders who are really good on the ball, box to box guys. You have a lot of a lot of wingers coming out of England now that are really skillful on the ball, just as much as you see Brazilians who are really skillful on the ball, because there's different. Soccer cultures in a way, in different ways, the game is viewed in different countries, but I do think it's an interesting point to see how Real Madrid end up using Antonio Rudiger, um, because he definitely has a shot, man. He, I think he took a couple shots against Real Madrid as well, and um, especially since they have uh David Alaba in that defense, and, and I don't see Modric getting benched, and I don't see Fernandinho getting benched. So maybe some someone ends up going to that Real Madrid midfield, whether it's. Alaba. I, don't, I know Rudiger is not going to play midfield, but we'll see what happens. Uh, I think it's definitely something interesting and something we could watch out for in the World Cup. Because um, I know, I think Germany likes to play three at the back
4: now, right? They're kind of playing like a 4 2 3 1. It's weird. Like they play uh, Jonas Hoffman uh, right wing at right back now. It's just. Uh, yeah, but that's nation's like, league. It's a weird the German team, but yeah, they still play. They have played like a back. I think they played a back three at the last year. I was. Yeah,
1: they played a back three and like they have like Robin Gossens, like. Mm-hmm. Left mid, kind of like a left wing back kind of thing, but yeah. Um, going back to the team of the season, like we said, we have Allison goal. We already talked about Joao Solo, who was basically an unanimous decision. Antonio Rudiger is up there. Going to the next two players that we have on the defense, these two guys received the. They're tied for the second amount of second highest amount of votes in the defense, with basically seventy five percent of you guys picking these two players. We have Virgil Van Dyke as our other center back. And we have Trent Alexander-Arnold as our right back. Can someone take it away with Virgil van Dyke? Because I
4: did not agree with that one. I mean, if you watch van D- I mean, in my opinion, he was the best defender on what him, what was, in my opinion, the best defense in Prem this year. Um, he's always consistent. He's always, in my opinion, like, sans him getting hurt that year, like, every other year to me since he's gotten to Liverpool, he's been one of the best, if not the best, center back in the world uh last one from recent memory that was a blonde or nominee uh he's a force he's a force you cannot get around him you really can't like just in terms of like that's it's basically the same reason i voted for rudiger like he was so good defensively like i feel like i have to put him in the list for me it was just that van dyke
1: is so good and so consistent that you don't notice him. that's my problem with van dyke which is not a real problem because that's exactly what you want Someone so good that you're like yo
4: He's just there, you know. He's doing his job. I know he is, but uh, it's the Maldini quote. I, I think that's Maldini who said this. Uh, if I have to make a tackle, I made a mistake. Yeah, yeah. That's that's Van Dyke. Every play of every game, he never has to make a tackle. Really, like it's so weird. Yeah. You have to go for in, like, me
1: just because I know that me picking this team a season doesn't mean anything. Like I'm not gonna get heat for it um uh, like i don't work for sky sports like i'm not gonna have people coming down in my door i didn't pick van dyke i know he's great and he could easily made this team, and he probably should make this team. but to me it's what i just said he i just don't see him on the field champions league final what did van dyke do nothing
3: not multiple
1: goals. dude i don't remember that
3: I, I I think he played really good against Benzema. He limited Benzema's, which is possible, which is something that's very yeah, hard to do. Everybody says that. Moves off the ball is I, really good.
1: I disagree. I think, disagree.
3: I think what really limited Real Madrid's attack,
0: even though they did win, was that Liverpool had the ball the whole game.
1: In my opinion, if we talk about the Champions League final, I don't think they neutralized each other. I think Benzema did his job. I think if Benzema's goal would have stood, are we really going to say that Van Dyke neutralized Benzema? No, bro. He would have scored one of two goals scored that game if if that even happens, because, you know, if that goal's given, who knows how the game turns out. Whatever. I think that Benzema was able to play with his back to Van Dyke. He dropped into the midfield and distributed the ball otherwise. I just so think Benzema Benzema scores
2: that goal in the Champions League final. Are you blaming that goal
1: on Van Dijk? If okay, so the way that the goal got scored was over the top through ball to Karim Benzema. Kareem Benzema fake shot at Andy Robertson to the nether world, took Allison out for a dance, and then like absolutely missed a pass. Then Valverde deflection, boom, Benzema scores. That ball got played over the top. I mean, some, the thing with soccer, that's amazing about, like, sports is that sometimes the defense doesn't matter. We can talk about other sports. Like, dude, have you seen, like, Steph Curry get guarded? Like, the, the guy's right in his face. He's stupid, far away from the basket, and he still scores. Sometimes you just get beat because that's just what greatness is, especially in the Champions League final. It was a perfect ball over the top, perfectly time, run perfectly time, touch. It was a perfect everything. So can you blame it on Van Dyke? No, but who else are you going to blame it on? I
2: mean, in the end, like, the way Benzema would have scored would have been off of some, like, freak deflection. Like, enough happened that Benzema didn't feel comfortable enough to even shoot it on the first attempt. So it's like, is it good defense? Is it good offense? Like, was it a bad decision
1: on Benzema's part? Like, there's a lot of, like... Yeah, that's if we want to stay, like... I mean, we have to stay on the theoretical because what happened is what happened, and everything that we're talking about is things that didn't happen. So, is it Van Dyke's fault? No. But if you're Virgil van Dyke, one of the best defenders, top two center backs in the Prem, you want to be felt. But again, it's the same thing with the goalie, like, like the goalie decision. Is the goalie that we pick the best goalie because of how good the defense is? It's, it's arguable. Same thing with Van Dyke. Is Van Dyke a uh, top center back in the league? Even though we don't, Feel him 90% of games, maybe that's what you want from your center back. It's an arguable thing. But like I said, in the spirit of like just picking teams and having fun, I didn't pick Virgil Van Dyke. I picked the back line with a bunch of fullbacks, and my only center back was Antonio Rodiger. But I, I agree. like I'm, I don't disagree with the Addison pick, and I don't disagree with the Virgil Van Dyke pick. I just picked guys that I felt had more impact. That's that's my opinion, you know. Like Jurgen Klopp surely doesn't go to the locker room like, "Hey uh, Van Dyke, I need to I need more." Like, no, bro, you defend if you have to defend, because you also can't defend if no one comes at you, and that's what happens to everyone that plays Liverpool, other than like Man City. But if you look at the Man City games, like they concede every game, but I'm not gonna get too far into that. But I agree. If 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 Van Dyke is given a spot. I'm fine with it. I won't fight it. There'll be, there'll be plenty of fights with the six positions or the seven positions left. Speaking of, right back, Trent Alexander-Arnold,
4: Conor O'Brien, Reese James. As the lone person who picked Reese James, let me defend Reese James. Mm-hmm. Okay. Trent had 14 goal contributions this year in the season, right? Two goals, 12 assists. Reese James had five goals, nine assists. Same amount of goal contributions. Reese did this in 10 less starts. He had four sub appearances that weren't starts, so six overall less games. Furthermore, Reese James is a lot better defensively than Trent and shows that every game, he puts in like a shift every single game. Same amount of goal contributions in less games plus defense. I just think he had a better season than Trent. And I think if he would have gotten to play the whole season, he would have shown that. As someone who
1: doesn't watch every Chelsea game, so maybe my opinion doesn't matter, but as someone that does watch every Real Madrid game and Real Madrid just happened to run through Liverpool and Chelsea, they are both just as good defensively as Lucas Vasquez. Literally, you know who Trent defends like? Lucas Vasquez. I don't care what you say. If you watch Lucas Vasquez, that's the guy. Like, I couldn't put my finger on it. Like, who does Trent defend like? How bad is he actually? Lucas Vasquez. That's is not how bad. A- he is.
4: I mean, yes. I, said, I for sure said it's this on the podcast. Trent should not be playing right back. He should be either a wing back. Or he should be playing like right mid. He's not look, good. Let defense. me let, let me play. for once
1: in my life defend Trent against this cerise James absolute blasphemy. Yes, it's, Trent it's, had, it's, had it's, ex- Kyle Walker. Look. sans
4: Kyle Walker. If you don't think Reese James is the best right back in Prem, you don't watch Prem. That's it. Bro. Like he's he's incredible. Okay, he's, prob- he's probably Chelsea's best player to be honest. Maybe this season, maybe Sands-Rüdiger, maybe Mount, maybe but James is
1: better than Chris James. Mendy transformed your team. If you had a Kepa, you wouldn't even be a thing.
4: Well, Kepa is like a net minus, to be fair. Like, we could have put like a, like a solo cup in goal, and that would have been better than Kepa.
1: Listen, sure, they have the same amount of goal contributions, and Chris James played less games. Trent Alexander-Arnold, number one. Most chances created in the prem from right back with ninety. He's is, is Bruno Fernandez, Kevin Doesn't he, he he's creating chances for a team. That's what fullbacks do in the modern game. Number one in the prem. Number one expected assists. Number one expected assists for ninety. The list goes on of uh, like little stats that Trent just leads in. Yes, they both to me they both suck at defense, and that's why Liverpool didn't win the Champions League. Literally. Um, that's why they conceded. That's not That's why they didn't work. That's why they conceded and let me see the score. That's happened. To me, Tray Alexander Arnold, how good he is on offense throughout a season, definitely puts him in the team. There's no way. There's no way I'm putting Reese James over Tray Alexander Arnold on the team of the season. Zero chance. Tra Alexander Arnold was one of the best players in the Premier Yes, he is not that good at defense and he plays right back given. But in the length of a season, not just a game where you can say, like, well, would I rather have Reese James or Trent defend Vinicius for this game? That's different. The length of a season, I'm taking Trent all day. We'll talk about one of the best No, To me, I don't know. Maybe De Bruyne's the only one that gets close. But one of the best paths in the world and, obviously, in the Prem. Like I said, the chances created. And assists, like, coming out of the right-back position, just what he does for Liverpool is definitely way bigger than what, what Reese James does for Chelsea. I know you said that Rhys James is probably Chelsea's best player, but what Trent does for Liverpool is grand compared to what Reese James does for Chelsea all day, in my opinion. You can't name, like, more gifted players in the Prem other than, like, the obvious, like Mohamed had a vastly better season than Trent human Son had a vastly better season than Trent, but I'd stop there. Do you think Trent's a top 10 player in Prem? Yes, it's not even close. Trent's a top five player in the Prem, and it's not even close. Top. top Name 10 player. that
4: are better than right now Salah, Kane, Son, Van Dyke, Rudiger, Ronaldo. A lot of those are arguable. I'm not even on midfielders, so let me get to these. De Bruyne, I didn't even say De Bruyne. Um, this season because you can't just say better players I don't know, like fellow ahead of uh I think it's not top five. I my my thing was top not top five.
3: I do think Trent though, Trent's still fairly young, so Trent can improve defensively. He has like sparks of playing pretty good defensively. I think there they could have been a lot more goals in that Champions League finals if Trent wasn't good at stopping passes to Vinicius. There's a lot of through balls that are going through Vinicius, and Trent was able to stop it. Obviously, the goal that was conceded no, no, was no. Trent's fault, but I do think Trent is not a horrible defender. Like we're talking, like Trent can't the, defend. The, that's not exactly the true.
1: person stopping Vinicius goes by the name of Ibrahima Konate. No such. No, but there was a ton Trent. of
3: through balls going through Trent's I don't area know about a ton. possession. That Trent was doing a pretty good job at stopping the passes from game.
1: Look, it's fair and simple. If Trent beat Vinicius to a ball, it was a bad pass. Well, you can't hear about that as well. Talk Ooh, about a player I, I that's. Vinny, what? I think it's, it's a faster player. so If, so Vin, I, if Trent got to the ball before Vinicius, it was a bad pass.
3: I think Trent is going to be part of that trend of, of wingbacks that are more offensively oriented but can still defend pretty well. I think he's going to get better at defense, and I think that's something that we're going to see throughout the next couple of years as people criticize him more and more about his defensive abilities. Mm-hmm. In general, I think, I don't think Trent's a bad player. I think that's the reason why I put him there. I think he deserves it. He he's a threat offensively for a right back. And that's pretty remarkable. There's a lot of players in history that have done the same thing, like be a threat in offense and be pretty far more solid in defense. I'll give that. Obviously, Marcelo and, you know, Roberto Carlos have been threats offensively for both of their respective times in Madrid, but they were way better defensively than Trent was. But, you know, we're watching the night. Like, I think Trent's, what, 20 years old at this 21.
1: They're different, though. So we'll see. Like, Roberto Carlos was a problem more in terms of, like, shooting. Marcelo was a problem in terms of dribbling. Trent's a problem in terms of passing, which is the most dangerous of the three. Well, moving on, starting from back, we already have Allison. Just to recap the back line, Joao Cancelo, Tony Rudiger, Virgil van Dijk, Trent Alexander-Arnold. Moving on to the midfield, um, again, there was a lot of contention in the midfield, but again, we had a unanimous decision for one player. And... That player was Kevin De Bruyne. I think it's simple. Best player, best team. And I think that's all that needs
2: to be said. So,
1: Best player on the best team?
2: Best player on the best team. Not necessarily the best player in, like, Premier League. We'll get to that later. But best player on the best
1: team, I think it's a no-brainer. of that team, the other two midfielders that made our team of the season, our collective team of the season, were Rodri and Bernardo Silva a Man City midfield for the team of the season, which kind of makes sense. They did win the league. Um, and boy, like, this is the first time where, like, I've seen anything like that, uh, you know, team of the season with the entire midfield being from one team. And I can't really argue against it. Um, that's the same midfield that I put, that same exact midfield for my team of the season. Cannot argue against it. Like Chris said, Kev, when it comes to Kevin De Bruyne, best player on the best team, obviously because they won the league. Rodri um, finally, I would say, like, shut me up because I remember Rodri coming out of Atletico Madrid, and that's a guy, just like Van Dijk, that you don't notice. But this season, wow, insane, really noticeable, really looking forward to watching him play for Spain and the Nations League and the World Cup. That guy changed the crap out of that Spanish midfield, and Bernardo Silva was literally lights out. Lights insane. out. I remember we were we were when we were having podcasts like early like February or so where Bernardo Silva was just scoring like every game and bangers and the goal he had against Real Madrid. I mean to go from right wing to midfield, insane season from Bernardo Silva. Anything you guys oh I know <laughs> I don't wanna I don't wanna I don't know should I pick someone else? Should I attack Connor again? Because Connor had Mason Mount. That no, was no, Lightfield. That's the this only one the best argument reasons. I have for any first player.
4: Reese James, then Mason Mount. Ladies and gentlemen, <laughs> there is a trend.
3: I <laughs> see some bias there.
4: Listen, I know there's a little bias as a Chelsea fan, but I think my bias is maybe more in Rudiger because Mount and James both deserve to be in this 11. Mount, if you look at Mount specifically, like even if you're comparing him directly to Bernardo Silva, Mason Mount 11 goals, 10 assists, 21 goal contributions, nine more. That's nine more than Bernardo Silva. Three more goals in Bernardo Silva, who had eight. Six more assists in Bernardo Silva, who had four. I like he carried Chelsea the whole way through. I think, and honestly, if you're not going to put Mason Mount in the squad, the only thing you could say is that he played a lot of games at right wing. That's it. Like to me, he was so crucial how Chelsea played. The only midfielder that's ahead of him in goal contributions is De Bruyne. And the only reason De Bruyne is ahead of him is because he had four goals on like the 36th match day. Like, if you're looking at Mount, like the only players that mount that had more goal contributions than Mount, Salah, Son, Kane, De Bruyne, and Gerard Bowen somehow. Like
1: he's six out. more goals. Because
4: West Ham had a solid
2: season. That's how Bowen spelled
3: yeah. <laughs> West Ham could have done better,
4: in my opinion, but your right, Europa League spot, but I digress. Um yeah, Mount Deserts. Mount Deserts.
1: Chris Will matters. James Madison. You picked him. Why?
2: Eight assists, 10th in the Premier League, 12 goals, 11th in the Premier League. Top 11 in the two very important categories for a team that had zero expectations. I would argue that 20 gold contributions for Leicester City is probably better than 21 for Chelsea, given that who he's surrounded by, in my personal opinion. Um, I think we saw major leaps um, in Madison's game from just the season before. Um, I think he played beyond his years. If you've watched, like, I don't know, like the way he was like, just took control of that team as a 25 year old, like Madison was like the thing for Leicester city. And that was the, like one of the few things they had going for them and a season that wasn't great. I think Madison was the bright point for them. And at only 25, like that's something they could build upon, in my opinion. And I'm not saying I disagree with anyone else in that squad. I think midfield was the most contentious position in this. So I decided to spice it up a little bit, but I'm going to stand by the opinion. And both
1: of you had Declan Rice. So 32nd pitch, why Why Declan Rice? He
4: did everything Rodri did this year, plus leadership. No, nah, he's tripping. He's bugging. on top of that, he's, uh, he's a really young talent. He's, only he's years bugging.
1: Old. It's all great. He didn't guy. do what Rodri did. That's just madness. Let's relax. No, I,
4: I, think,
3: I think he was great, and he was really standing. Mean, he stood out a lot this year, and it was basically kind of like a breakthrough for him where his name was a lot more frequent in discussion. So I put right for that reason. Um, You know, he's 23 years old. He has a lot more football to be played, and he played for a West Ham team that could have done better personally towards the end of the season. And they did pretty decent last year. And they made a nice run in the Europa League. And, you know, someone of his value, he's already like at what, seven, he's, he's worth a lot of money at this point. Prime tax, English the, tax. The you know, English you know tax. How He was going to do great in a couple of years in Man City.
1: <laughs> Hopefully he doesn't go to United. But the only other pick was good old Daniel Perez, who picked Fabinho. Daniel, why?
0: Because I see Fabinho as one of those hard workers on the team. Name me one midfielder on the Liverpool that works harder than Fabinho. I'm
1: Creator. picking Fabinho. Yeah, I'm picking Fabinho over Thiago this season. But I do have to take Rodri over everyone we mentioned. I do have to take Bernardo over everyone. But I just like Bernardo. Like, I like the way he plays. I understand. Like I said, every pick that there is or that there was, every choice that there was, there's a reason why they were up there. Definitely contentious, but off the bar picked the Man City midfield, De Bruyne, Rogi, Bernardo, Silva. Moving on to, I guess, the least, should be the most exciting because he's the attackers, but the least There should be no competition player. here. Like, I think it's so clear I mean, and obvious. It's not, though. Two of them are clear and obvious, but going off of what we picked as a collective, at the left wing, we have Ming Sun. I think that's one of the givens. Our right wing, we have Mohamed Salah. That should be the given of all, like the only non-like, yo. This is we're not arguing this, Mohamed Salah. If that, because I think De Bruyne's not arguable, and I think Trent is not arguable. But as we've seen, it can be argued. Mohamed Salah, our right wing. Like I said, he makes on our left wing, and we picked Harry Kane as our striker. Now, I disagreed. With this, but I think mine's an interesting take, so I'll leave it for kind of last. But Michael, you had you had the same one as them, or you had Cristiano Ronaldo? No, I
3: had different. I had Ronaldo as my striker.
1: Cristiano Ronaldo wrong. Just flat out wrong.
2: Just
4: <laughs> flat out wrong. Like, no, no, Why? no. Why? Like, explain to me how,
2: how those... many goals. Okay. 18 goals and three assists for Cristiano Ronaldo for a team that isn't going to be playing Champions League. Meanwhile, Harry Kane had 17 goals and nine assists for a team that stormed back and is going to be champ- playing Champions League football. That United team should have way outperformed yeah, Tottenham I Hotspur. It, I thought it was pretty like
3: interesting to watch. He scored a couple of hat-tricks out of the season. Sure, they weren't against like the best team in the league, but at the same time, his age, going to Premier League, playing as good as he did, especially when he started off the year, I think a month or two in, not scoring any goals, and then finishing with 21 goals in the Premier League. Both goal, goal assists. My my bad. He played pretty good. And I think he deserves like recognition for playing in a horrible team and basically being the only good thing in it and being a lifeline. And I just want to point this out because it may really upset how I it upsets me so much that Man United fans are like, Oh, we'll be doing better if we didn't have Ronaldo. Um, no, <laughs> they they just they they were not performing this year. Man United was an atrocious team. So him performing that well for a team that should not be in Europe, period. And gunning them into
2: Europa League, at least, was astonishing to watch. Why shouldn't they be in Europe, Because they're period. horrible. They're, they're is blackluster than midfield. What are. was the difference between the team this year and the team in previous, in just the last few years that has been in Europe? It's managed, it's basically, well, I
3: also think there's a couple other things I would argue contribute to it. I did think and other seasons where man united were performing pretty good in the premier league the league was also lackluster like last year they got second place while liverpool was obviously struggling with injuries and city kind of ran away with it and chelsea just kind of had lampard which is basically having injuries too as your manager so they weren't doing so well so the only other competition in the league was city who was obviously going to win the league that year so and then once this year when teams got more competitive towards man united they flat-out just fell, and they weren't performing well. I think it's just it's a mixture of poor like midfielders who don't really care to play very much. I don't know what it is about Pogba, but Pogba either wants to be the best midfielder in the world one day or the next day he doesn't want to be the best midfielder in the world. The same thing with like the defense just falling apart where Maguire was just pretty abysmal sometimes. It was really hard to watch, and obviously if you go on TikTok, the memes are everywhere about how poor Maguire was. In general, I think United was just very, very bad this year. And they didn't deserve to go into like Europe, in my opinion. And- I would just say
2: my argument is that like those same players have just been there. So it's like, like Harry Maguire didn't join the team this year. Bruno Fernandes has been there this entire time. Pogba has been there for many years. So it's like. But they weren't performing at all like they wanted it. In the last couple of years,
3: it was the argument was. When are United going to win a trophy? When are they are going to win a league? Last year, they got close with the uh, Europa League. They got second in the league, and just behind City. But I always had a feeling that Ole wasn't going to be the guy for them. And once they fired Ole in midseason and appointed a new manager, I knew this locker room was going to have issues. And I knew he was going to keep showing up. Because United isn't... They, I think it's the problem with United stems even deeper than just, you know the face value stuff we see, I think it's also like a systemic issue in the club where they don't make good decisions and they don't let managers have all this like flexibility with what they want on their team. It might change with Tin Hag, but I don't know. I feel like they they needed, he has a lot of work to be done.
2: I had
1: son, Salah,
2: Jared Bowen. As someone this. who put Madison in my lineup, I respect it. I respect,
1: respect. it. How could you not put Jared Bowen in there? Put Jerry Bon like, in Liverpool, see what happens. Bro, the man was fifth in goal contributions
4: and he was 12th in scoring. He would be a perfect, re- like Salah, I kind of think he's going to go to Barca next year when his contract runs out. He'd be a perfect replacement for Salah. Bugging. Salah's not going to Barca, man.
1: He's he's not going to his contract, dude. I don't know. Jared Bowen, 55th in goal contributions, even though he was 12th in scoring, insane stat. Let that sink in. He was top three in assists in the Prem with 10. The last 10 games of the season, he scored twice against City. He scored both legs against Leon and he scored against uh michael's arsenal like the guy's a big game player he played for west ham which i know did good this season but west ham's not man city west ham's not larable west ham is not chelsea it's not an established team this is their first season doing well like second season doing like pretty good so and jerry bone was no one last season he was like decent he was like okay he was pretty good he was a decent buy i forget exactly where he came from but i think it was second division team and I don't know. I thought I should put him in my team because he definitely deserves a shout coming out of West Ham. Him and Michael Antonio had an insane season. And I don't know. It basically, it stems off the fact that he plays for West Ham and the season that he had playing for West Ham. It's the same reason why I picked Jose Saw. The things that he does for his team I think are more commendable than like, here he came playing next to human son and then I'm literally just like score assist, score assist, score assist off each other because they're that good. Like, I know that Jared Bowen had the partnership with Michael Antonio, but Jared Bowen's not Mohamed Salah. Dude.
2: So. I think I think Bowen also showed. I mean, obviously, this doesn't go into our team of the season because it's specifically for Premier League. But even in Europe, like he had like a confidence playing in Europe, which isn't like typical for a lot of guys like that. Dude almost scored the absolute goal of his life, a bicycle kick against Frankfurt. Like honestly, one of the like craziest shots I've seen most well-hit bicycle i've ever seen like you don't just do that like you don't do that if you're a nobody like doing that in a european contest i mean against the eventual winners of europa league like bowen is going to be good very very good so i i love this pick i'm all for it
1: yeah just to just to wrap things up for the team of the season um portion of this episode like we said we have Addison at goalie Back four consisting of Joao Salo and Tony Rudiger, Van Dyke, and Trent Alexander-Arnold. Midfield is the Man City midfield in De Bruyne, Rodri Silva. And up top, we have Heumling Sun, one of the most impressive players in the entire season. Mohamed Salah, who's up there for the Ballon d'Or, and Harry Kane. Moving on to the next portion of this episode, we have the Manager of the Year Award. Should I? <laughs> I think we should just bully Connor for the rest of the episode. Just oh, make...
2: No <laughs> way walk. you said Tuchel. No way you said Tuchel.
1: No,
4: no. Well, I did say Tuchel. Cool.
2: Justify it. Just go for it.
4: Um, you have 30 seconds.
1: <laughs> I'm
4: not listening to this. Okay. Pep comes in first, first or second every year. Klopp comes in first or second every year, despite anything that happens. Tuchel like, had a war affect his team. And he came in third. No, roll your eyes on me. Do not roll your eyes at me, Chris. Dude, give him a medal, bro. Give him after a war medal. He's season, bro. For, <laughs> I will not stand for any eye-rolling from you. Um you war medal. Tuchel, there, there was a war in Ukraine. Like, Tuchel had to navigate his team through that. Lukaku decided you want to play in, like, December. Like, half the team was hurt. Joel didn't play all year. Like, James missed, like, 10 games. Like, a lot of guys were hurt. Hudson and Dwight was playing, like, at, like, mo- like, five or six games where he started at back. Uh, so, so under this theory, we should give
2: Zinchenko Player of the Year because he's Ukrainian and just went
4: through a not, lot. No, because <laughs> listen, <It's> not, <laughs> no, no manager in in the Prem this year had to face more adversity than Tuchel. Listen, and no. how did how did he handle that adversity?
2: Did you guys get closer to the top two spots, or did fourth I mean, and fifth get a lot
4: closer to you? He maintained his place in third, which I think. Did which- you get a little nervous there at the end? No.
1: Okay. Yeah,
4: sure. No, because I knew Arsenal was going to bottle, and they did. Yeah. I, I was like, oh, Ars- I need Arsenal. <laughs> Great.
1: Dude, I just thought of, like, Arsenal bottling company. I don't know why. Uh, I'm a little <laughs> oh, sorry, But, yeah, going back to the survey and what you guys picked, it was actually a three-way tie, so all of you shut up. It was twenty five percent Jurgen Klopp, twenty five percent Pep Guardiola, and twenty five percent of you had actual like common sense in picking Antonio Conte. So you put
3: someone else differently, and I, yeah, I, I, yeah.
1: I wasn't even gonna acknowledge the fact. You know what, Michael, Michael, you... Eddie Howe. Howe, no.
3: I think it's a fair that's thing to say that Newcastle before Howe took over, they literally had Christ. A all right,
1: won. that's all the time you have. <laughs>
3: No, how we? No, no, no. We can't, we can't do this because Eddie Howe took over a Newcastle team that was not good. They were literally about to get relegated. They had zero wins in November twenty. By November 29th they had literally zero wins, six ties, and seven losses. So tough. Even talking. <laughs>
4: that's, that's tough. Newcastle came in like thirteenth. Yeah, Newcastle right.
3: came in tenth. That's some sense. Impressive.
1: Um, Chris, you had Jurgen Klopp. No. You had Pep, I was, buddy. I
2: was the common sense,
1: sure. Conte, yes,
2: no way.
1: What a legend, Danny. What a That's what I'm saying. I had Guardiola. All right, go ahead. Why, how, explain? Mostly, oh, it... no, no, never mind. Look at the jersey. That's why there's a Barca jersey. on. What am I saying? Go ahead.
0: Yeah, most of it is the bias. Obviously, I don't think it was. You can argue that it was either him or Cancelo that versatility at the back, at left back. There's obviously no Ben Mendy, because he likes, I'm not gonna talk about that. Um, The way he could just, I don't know, the way he controls the, <laughs> the way. He... Yeah. When do you, exactly.
1: <laughs> Can you finish a
0: sentence? <laughs> when do you play with two defenders and 1-4-0?
1: when you have a billion in transfer budget in your team, when you can afford to buy 100 million Jack Grealish and sit him on the bench. I will never give Pegorio props ever. You just like, I will for like what he did at Barca. Other than that, shut up. You spend that much money, I just don't like it. I just don't think, how much is it that is like, Guardiola actually he he is a tactician he's really good at that but Jesus Christ bro like how much of it is the fact that you can just go out every summer and buy the best player available and and not even to start him to like play at backup like Joao Cancelo was a backup look at what he had in his hands on the bench how many dude every team every team in the Premier League could use Jack Grealish. and Jack Grealish over here bench warming I Man City. So, I don't know. I just feel like that takes away. Antonio Conte, Chris Will, thank you for that. Thank you. You're welcome. Me, me You're welcome. You.
2: Go ahead. So, take it away, Antonio Conte. I just think, like, we're talking about a team that wasn't in the top three, and we're talking about two of their players in our team of the season. That's not – yes, those two are good players, but you have to be able to put the team around it to connect. And then also you talk about how he stormed back. This team was nowhere close to Champions League play at like any point in this season. And then all of a sudden they start connecting, Conte's doing things. And then, I mean, obviously Arsenal had to bottle it a little bit, but Tottenham finds their way into Champions League football. And I think honestly, in terms of trajectory, Tottenham Hotspurs, other than obviously you have City and Liverpool that are going to stay up top, they're going to stay consistent up top. I think in terms of trajectory going forward, Tottenham Hotspurs has it going for them. I mean, there was a point in the, a point where we thought Harry Kane was leaving, like 1,000 percent not coming back to Tottenham. Find find a way to keep that. Find a way to keep Son. And I think if you keep those those two pieces there, he's getting a massive budget this off season. Um, I think they were reporting 150 million or whatever. Conte is gonna stay. I think Tottenham's a team to look out for. Not necessarily in terms of like knocking off Liverpool or City for the the top spot but maybe they compete for top two. I think, I think Conte is the clear winner of this. You can go Pep, you can go Klopp, but I think a lot of that is the, the infrastructure that they've been put in. Uh, Rafa, you talked about it. They got lots of money to spend, um, and I think that Conte worked with what he got and got to Champions League football, and I think
1: that's a major win for Tottenham. I picked Antonio Conte as well. Um, they started off the season with Nuno Espiritu Santo, came from wolves like i mentioned earlier <clears throat> nuno was sacked after 10 games um so no summer transfers for conte conte literally had to adopt the team and build up from there in the winter transfer window they beat they got some huge like wins throughout the season with conte after like the rebuild and everything they won against city away three two they tied with liverpool 1-1 in anfield the what ended up costing liverpool the title they beat arsenal three zips suck on that michael
3: well, well, if you're gonna talk about
1: three zip, three zip, they beat Leicester three one. They beat Aston Villa four zip. They smashed Newcastle again. Michael with Ed- with Eddie Howe. Newcastle five one. Eat that up. Um, <laughs> I'm just kidding. But yeah, they were able to bring in Kulusevsky from Juventus on a loan. Eventually, they're gonna end up buying him. They were able to bring Vincent Core, who theoretically is a good player. I don't really like him. I think he absolutely sucks. But they got him, you know, he's a young player, uh, whatever. Um, they he, he knows what he wants. And that's something that's really important in a, in a coach. He got rid of Ndombele. He got rid of Dele Alli, He got rid of Lo Celso, which is arguable whether or not that's good because Lo Celso ended up being absolutely disgusting for Villarreal. Um, they got rid of Brian Hill. Who knows what happened with Brian Hill. Um, they got Perisic this summer for free. That's huge. That's insanely good for Spurs. That is really scary for every other team. They can also now move on with, uh, I think they're about to sell Steven Bergwine or something. That's going to be a lot of money because that guy's young. Scary time to be anyone that's not a lot of Spurs fan. Um, but yeah, they were fourth in goals conceded, um, like in terms of clean sheets or not conceding as many goals on the table with four, with 40. Obviously, you had like Man City, Liverpool, Chelsea on top of them in terms of that stat. But if you look at the prem, in a theoretical prem table, starting when Conte got hired, you'd have Man City in first place with 73 points. You have Liverpool with 70. You have Tottenham in third place with 56. Arsenal in fourth place with 52. Chelsea in fifth place with 49. So move, from, from the moment Conte got hired, we're talking about a Tottenham that's third in the league. And that goes hand in hand with what Chris was talking about the trajectory. What's going to happen next season? I think we got to look at Tottenham before. I don't know if they'd fight for second, like Chris said. It would I mean, take, it would take yeah. some stumbles from Liverpool and City for yeah. sure,
2: whether it's an injury, like things like that, especially because now they are playing in Champions League football, as opposed to at, at one point they were playing Conference League and then got knocked out like ridiculously yeah. early. So their only focus was just domestically. So that is going to be a struggle, but I mean, you never know.
1: Yeah, they'll fight, they'll fight for third and – I mean, they'll fight for second in terms of, like, they'll be in third place. But mm-hmm. they're definitely fighting for Champions League, and that's what Tottenham expects, and they've gotten that with Conte. I don't think – obviously, I don't think anyone's catching up to Liverpool and City anytime soon, but we don't expect them to. I think of right. victory in, in the eyes of Arsenal, Chelsea, Tottenham. Um, who can you put in there? Man United, uh, maybe West Ham. You're is proud. to now finish in Champions league. Moving on, we have a team award. Again, like I mentioned all the way, what well, seems ages ago now. The <laughs> team award is basically for merit. Like, what team deserves it for whatever reason. We'll have a bunch of reasons, whether it is, like, staying up or, like, Spurs' comeback, Man City's ability to win the league, uh, Liverpool's ability to, like, stay right there next to Man City. Whatever the reason may be, team award is to give recognition to a team that deserves, like, I don't know. They don't deserve anything, you know? <laughs> I don't know. It's like, I, know, I don't know. How, how do you even explain that? An award to basically say, like, dude, it's- that team, even though they didn't win, if you didn't pick Man City, even though they didn't win, they definitely, like, they showed out. They did really well. They, they perhaps exceeded our expectations, um, whatever the case may be. But the votes came in, and it was actually a tie between Liverpool at 25% and and Tottenham at 25%. So, yeah, uh, I I thought it was Arsenal for a second. But Liverpool, anyone in here pick Liverpool? I did. Daniel, why Liverpool?
0: To keep up with Pep City and to only have one loss in 38 games on the season, I think that's a big merit to have to your season.
2: I think the unfortunate thing for Liverpool is that given as good of a team that they are and as good as a, of a season they had, if you looked like on a game to game basis, the trophies they're walking away with, they're walking away with two and it's not the premier league and it's not champions league. So I think, I think they're probably very disappointed with this season given as far as they got in all these competitions, as close as they push things, to not walk away with a big-time trophy. Obviously, FA Cup is big, but we were talking about the quadruple, the quadruple, the quadruple, and they got two, and it's probably the lower two on the list if you were to tier the trophies they could have gotten.
1: Yeah. Double. Chris and I had Tottenham, obviously, along the same lines as, as to why we think Conte should have won manager of the season. Michael, you had Arsenal. I'm guessing it's not because you're a fan, but probably similar to what Tottenham had. Um, A really disappointing start to the season and a rise.
3: Yeah, I I just want to mention it quick. Um, (coughs) Arsenal, like on paper, are literally the youngest. I think the youngest team in the Premier League, the fact that they were competing for top four after literally burning out in the beginning of the year and finishing eighth, I think, eighth or seventh last year. It was pretty impressive for me. I was actually, a lot, I'm obviously sad that we didn't get top form. we balled it. But seeing where the team went from and the team's at and how Arteta is like, obviously just kind of established his style of play, especially with the injuries and especially with not having a concrete number nine. It was impressive. Um, I was impressed. I think the team is going to get better in the summer. We, for God's sakes, please sign a striker. I don't know. I don't think, I wouldn't want Gabriel Jesus. I don't think he's bad. I just think that they should get someone who's younger to fit that team of like, basically this is like a project. Gabriel Jesus is already established. He might go to Real actually. So. Where? He actually might go to Real. Real are okay. trying to get Gabriel Jesus right now. No. Yeah. No. no.
1: Yeah. <clears throat> Youth Player of the Year. Off the Bar Podcast came together, voted. Trent Alexander Arnold won Youth Player of the Year for us. In reality, Phil Foden won, um, but I don't agree with that. Apparently, two people did vote for Phil Foden. Anyone here not with, on the Trent Alexander-Arnold trend? Because I, I don't see how it could be anyone but Trent Alexander-Arnold. Oh, let me guess. Mason Mount yep. and Saka. Yeah. What okay, Saka? Why?
3: He's playing Arsenal while Trent's playing in Liverpool. Having a, Trent has to pass to Diego Jota, Mo Salah, and Sario Mane, who are phenomenal strikers already, while Salah, well, Saka is the only good offensive piece we have right now. Like, sure, you have Montanelli. Montanelli is very young, and he's not exactly been consistent offensively when it comes to scoring goals. And who do we have for half the season? We had maybe Lacazette sometimes. Yang decided to no longer want to play football consistently and then went to Barcelona and decided to actually play football consistently. So Arsenal needed someone to perform offensively. And that person consistently was Bukayo Saka. And he's been playing great, not just for Arsenal, but he's also been playing great for a national team.
2: So the one thing I'd say to that is earlier in this episode, we were talking about, can we find 10 players better than Trent Alexander-Arnold? Was Saka one of those players that was better than Trent Ar- Alexander-Arnold?
4: he wasn't very silent
2: he wasn't and the last i checked the qualification for this was being 23 before the season started and trent alexander arnold was so i don't see how you yeah, have but- a player that played better in the season we've acknowledged that already we've said there's not there's not nine other players that are better saka wasn't one of those and yet we're Wait, snubbing thing trent's position the way that
3: trent plays the passes that he gets he has better players to play it too Saka, who's playing as a winger, does not have a number nine to assist the ball to. He has Ninkeda towards the end of the year was playing good, but for the majority of the season, it was your Lacazette over not playing with a
2: striker. So, so shouldn't it be more impressive that, that Trent, as a 23-year-old, has found his way into that squad then? You mean Trent, the
3: person assisting the best players in the world? Like, it's not unimpressive, but I just think... So oh. he
2: should just not do that then. He should not just not assist them. them. No, he should think, go to a worse team. He should just, just go to a worse team.
3: <laughs> the only reason why I'm saying that it's more impressive because Saka is playing on a worse team and he's performing the way he is, and to get it's Arsenal valid. in that position, while Trent is playing the team that was competing for, what four titles with arguably at the time when he started the best player in the Premier League that could have been the Ballonoro not like winner if it wasn't for Benzema being phenomenal, and. Sadio Mane, who's an AFCON winner. So that team is stacked offensively.
1: They've I think this is they've been. It's I just so think defense. you're taking I would bit. just
2: I would just argue that those players are as good as they are because of Trent.
1: Yeah, you're taking a little bit too much away from Trent. To be honest, the only person on the ripple that I would put ahead of Trent this season is Mohamed Salah. Okay, close. Moving on um to the last award and the most important award that we're gonna give out in this episode and this will be the conclusion of this especially long episode player of the year it was not split um down the middle it was a five to three vote in favor of muhammad salah Mohamed Salah is the player of the year for Off the Board podcast. I had Mohamed Salah as well. I don't see how you can go against Mohamed Salah. Leading scorer, leading a sister. That is a recipe for a Ballon d'Or nomination. And that is why I have him in second place for the Ballon d'Or. Next to, guess who? Karim Benzema, who's first place for the Ballon d'Or. Why? Because he's the leading leading scorer tied for leading a sister in La Liga. Same thing with Mbappe, leading scorer, leading a sister in Ligue 1 To do that and to do it in the Prem. There's just no argument for me, in my opinion. Now, the only other player that received votes was Min Sun. Can somebody please shed light as to why min Sun would ever win this award over Mohamed Salah this season? And that's how you listen, heard. man. I can see, I can see what someone would pick son So I had a, uh, I don't know, dude. Son had a really window, good season.
3: Yes, I can. Um, can
1: you see? It? You can't. You can't see it, but you can. You know when you kind of like, like tap, tap pat their head and you're like, oh, you know I get it, but no, you know you know what I mean. Like when a when a three walks up to you at the bar or at the club and you're like, no. Salah's so leader in assists. So Salah's leader in goal contribution. Salah's so leader in goals per ninety. Salah's so leader in expected goals. Salah's so leader in shots on target per ninety. Salah's so leader in expected goals on target. Salah's so leader in expected goals per ninety. Salah's so, so leader in shots per ninety. It's it's what's not Salah is Trent Alexander Arnold in the attack, every single assist, I mean every Bye. single stat.
2: But and only only six other players in Premier League history have done what Salah did, winning the Golden Boot and having the most assists in the league. And with that how many players boot, in the history yeah. of the Premier League have done what Son did this season?
1: A lot more than six. And with that Golden Boot, he's the second lead. He's the He's in second place for Golden Boots in Premier League history, only behind Thierry Henry, like an absolute Premier League monster, like legend. Yeah. So, But I can see it. It's, it's the same thing. We've, we've we've given awards in this episode for the same reason why Huming Sun could be a player of the year. Like mm-hmm. the impact that they had on a team that wasn't supposed to do as good as they did, um, which is why I picked Jose Sa, which is why we had Huming Sun in the attack. I get it. And we so logical- ad- agree it's not De Bruyne, right? <laughs> yeah, Logically it's not speaking, De
3: Bruyne. De is the best player, right?
1: <laughs> youth like the the like both of the real results for these two awards were wrong. Like the the youth player of the year was so foden cuz Men's city won the league and the player of the year was De Bruyne cuz they won the league. No. How can you how can you literally turn away from the leading goal scorer leading assistor of your league? And that say, wasn't even picked when
3: the league was finished. They picked that while they were still It like, doesn't
1: matter. Like He was the leading scorer, leading assistant for a long time. No one was I know, getting close I, to me. I, I
3: still think it's wrong, but I think it's... They, they get to acknowledge that like even when the league didn't finish, they picked two City players, which were, like you said, Phil Foden and KDB, which I didn't think deserved. I think the only person that should have won an award that was in City was Pep. Pep should have been the best manager. Like... Flat out, in my opinion, like he basically kept City like in the driver's seat for most of the season, and I think he deserved it. Because why are you gonna give it Klopp for? Klopp got second place. Not
1: flat out. We literally just had a segment as to why he couldn't easily lose trophy
3: for best manager in the league. Like, what are you doing?
1: They could have given it to Conte if they wanted to. That would have been totally valid.
3: Like, why are you gonna give it to like freaking Jurgen Klopp when he got second place, didn't score in a single Champions League final? Because okay, we're not gonna look at. The other leagues, but you 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 figured that Dude. the reason why they put him there is because he was in the rope for control quadruple, quadruple or quadruple whatever I don't even care what it's called anymore. They didn't want it. <laughs> Pep went to a
1: Champions League final, didn't score in his either.
3: I know what I'm saying is that Pep ha- Pep actually won the league, so if you're gonna give someone a trophy for best manager, why not be the one that actually finished the league with the most points? Like there, while we, we just it to had
1: a segment on it though, huh? <laughs> there's a bunch of reasons. We just had a segment. On I it. know,
3: but I'm saying is that uh, the league gave it to Jurgen Klopp for what reason?
1: Maybe it's more commendable to finish like one or two points behind Man City since you don't spend
4: a tenth of what they spend and transfer every year.
3: That's not, that's that's not enough.
4: Ability in coming in second. I think you're forgetting that there's a lot of like. <sighs> It's, it's, it was very noble of Klopp to, like, tie a random game that they didn't need to tie and just give it straight to Pep. Yeah, that's Adam. why he did it.
3: So let's put it this way. if Let's say if instead of Tottenham getting top four, Arsenal got top four, would you switch Conte with Arteta?
2: I honestly might.
3: I, I probably won't.
2: <laughs> I might because the narrative would be the same. Arsenal had a poor season to start, and then you add the youth on their team. I probably would switch them. I'd still think the same thing. Impressive. Yeah. I mean, I'd still think that like the trajectory is going well for those teams, but oh, yeah. I agree with in that. the end, one's playing champions league and that's the one I went with. I still enough. about Tuchel. Yeah. I, something tells me Tuchel could like just keep Chelsea out of the relegation zone and you'd probably still be saying his name. So
1: to wrap this up. Start from the top. Our team of the season, Allison, left back, Jock and Rudiger, Van Dyke, Trent Alexander-Arnold. Then the Man City midfield, Kevin De Bruyne, Rodri, Silva. Up top, Yoming Sun, Harry Kane, and Salah. Youth player of the year for us, Trent Alexander-Arnold, player of the year, Mohamed Salah. Kind of seems like Liverpool and Man City are taking it all, and that's because they got first and second, so it all makes sense. And the team award went to who? Taunin. Yeah,
3: it was kind of tied.
1: It was tied to Tottenham and Tottenham. Liverpool, right? I think it might have been Liverpool.
3: Pretty sure it was Arsenal.
1: What main check? Team award Liverpool and Tottenham were tied. But yeah, this wraps up the Premier League, our Premier League uh, team of the season episode. We will for sure be dropping a League One probably next week. Seems like the natural follow up to this one. It will be much, much, much more interesting. I don't know. We'll see what happens. But yeah, it has been a pleasure. My name is Rafael Los Santos. Alongside Daniel Perez, Kyle O'Brien, Michael Figueroa, Chris Will. We will catch you next time.